Welcome to the WatchQuant podcast, where we discuss watch markets backed by numbers. We are the only podcast here to help you make smarter decisions about your watch portfolio, whether you are a collector or a trader. It doesn't matter because we see your timepieces not just as accessories, but as crucial pieces of an investment portfolio. We're not here to wax poetic about the aesthetics of the pieces. Instead, we'll dive deep into the watch markets, covering popular, surprisingly undervalued or overpriced, and volatile watch markets. We will focus on the market specifics, analyzing trends and spotting hidden gems, and understanding the market drivers behind price movements. It's our goal to help collectors, investors, and even traders to make better decisions when going to buy a watch because when you are spending as much as a car or house might cost, it's certainly at least your responsibility to do your due diligence. We're here to help you do that. Join us as we explore the exciting world of the watch markets, uncovering their secrets and the opportunities at hand. All right, welcome in everyone. It's been a few weeks since we've done a podcast and my apologies for that for anybody who is absolutely obsessed with this podcast, <laughs> like myself. Anyway, welcome in. We are simply going to be going over the watch market for the last week, so we'll just be picking up where we left off. We have 10 new watches this week, which we'd like to cover. And of course, I did want to introduce one new thing this week, which is this notion that people are currently spending $25,000, dollars $100,000 or more sometimes on pieces of equipment, tools, a watch is a tool, it's a piece of equipment, but it's also an accessory, a beautiful item, something that you would you would wear as a, as a personal accessory. Nonetheless, whether it is a personal accessory or otherwise to you, and no matter how much your net worth might be or how little, a watch that costs over $5,000, I'd say, which is pretty much what we focus on here, should not be purchased haphazardly. In particular, if you are not um, in, in a high net worth bracket. And so why would we spend a lot of effort to buy a house? Let's say, you know, for example, if you buy a $100,000 house or a $150,000 house, generally you will require the guidance of a licensed broker, right? To help you achieve this purchase, to help you finish the purchase. Um, you don't just go out and put a house in your cart and check out and blah, 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 you're done. And so it's it's our distinct opinion that if you're going to spend even $5,000 on a watch, which is quite a lot still, um, but not nearly as much as 150 for example, nonetheless, that's like buying a used car where at least you'd have a used car salesman helping you to make your decision. Somebody to guide you because yes, you might like the blue Nissan on the corner of their parking lot, but guess what? There, if your budget is 5000 there might be another Nissan on the other side of the parking lot you didn't see or wouldn't see that could suit you better and you might like just as much. There's no reason why you should not both buy watches you like, but also keep the value of that watch in mind, the intrinsic value, the underlying value, and the potentiality for that watch to hold value and or go up in value over time. That is something you should be thinking about when you are building a collection or, and especially when you are trading. It's very, very hard to buy a watch, for example, that has very little or low demand or liquidity 
uh, even if you get it at a good price, and then expect to flip it or even wear it for a year and then sell it next year to get another one, it's going to be tough to afford the next watch because if it's illiquid, watches do not sell as much as you think they will sell for. And so we're going to be going over very basic tactics today, which will help you no matter who you are, if you're a collector, investor, or if you are a trader, a flipper, um, you need to buy watches at the right time. You need to buy the right watches and at the right price. And yes, you should buy what you like, especially if you plan to wear it. But most people get bored of things. It's like your car. You won't drive the same car today um, in 10 years, right? You will be driving a different car, very likely. It's nobody except for perhaps Warren Buffett drives the same car that they were driving 10 years ago. Everybody tends to get bored of them after about five years and they get a new car or their lease ends and they get a new car. Well, we don't want you to get fleeced. We'd love for you to be able to buy a watch that you like that you can then go ahead and sell in five years or in two years or in a year or in three months and pick up another watch at a profit perhaps or another watch you like um, at a break even because nothing could be better than having a fresh set of watches to wear at all time if you love them as accessories why wouldn't you want more choices over time why wouldn't you want to give yourself a community of watches without losing a bunch of money every time you go to change watches exchanging at your dealer certainly is an option but you will always lose out because dealers do this is where the dealers make money is they never offer you what you paid for it they will always offer you less unless the market has really moved to the upside you will be offered 30 to 40 or 50 percent less than the market value of a watch every time at a pawn shop or at a dealer because that's how they make their money i call it lowballing but we don't have to worry about lowballing to buy right we can worry about indicators numbers that are out there and this is not like the stock market where the indicators are uh there's many indicators and, the, and 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 they don't have any meaning because there are so many of them this is the watch market where it's extremely inefficient and so when you see specific indicators of, in the watch market you can bet your bottom dollar that those indicators are going to be more often than not actually meaningful and so we will talk about today how to discover demand in a watch and compare that demand of say the average trailing 12 month demand comparing it to uh, the last month's demand and if you can figure that out this is not a, a, a cure-all or, or uh, you know any any sort of absolute um, guarantee to win kind of metric but it is a very powerful metric which most most people don't think about when they go to buy a watch and so we'll talk about the basics there how to figure out demand and recent demand and if you see a positive swing, as in it's, it's, it's in more demand today than it was 12 months ago or than it, than it has been for the last year on average, then you know that the watch that you're looking at, if you like it, is probably a really good buy. But we should certainly talk about pricing as well. There's so much to this that we won't be able to cover it all in this particular podcast, but we will cover the very basics of demand. And I'll be making a YouTube video to suit this as well. Then we'll go over the watch of the week. So let's get into it. Okay, so what should we do? If you are going to buy a watch, let's say you have in mind a specific watch. You wanna, you're want you looking for a, a stainless steel Royal Oak. Well, what you might find, in fact, that's, that's this week's watch of the week, spoiler. And this particular watch, absolutely beautiful, 15,500, uh, 15, that's a, a ST, right? That's the reference number. Gorgeous watch. A lot of people love it. The blue dial is trading at you know between forty and fifty thousand dollars or so, forty-two to fifty-two thousand dollars, something like that. 
And um, we have it down as a four-star liquidity for this month, but overall, it's much lower liquidity these days. Um, over the last year, it's been higher than that. And so relatively, it's low liquidity today, whereas a year ago when it was trading at 80,000, it was much higher liquidity. Interesting, right? But that, that is how the psychology of markets work. People like to buy stuff when stuff goes up, even though they should be selling it. And people like to trade stuff more when the price is spiking. So anyway, now this watch is still trading well above MSRP at $45,000, say, on average, or $42,000 on average. Anyway, if you wanted to buy this watch today, it's a stainless steel watch with a little bit of gold in the movement, maybe an ounce of gold in there. So that's about $2,000 of intrinsic value, maybe $2,500 intrinsic value in the watch. Um, the brand brings a lot of value, of course, and there is this notion of, uh, of staying power of the brand and the model collection. So we'll talk about brand and model collection another time, but these are serious and seriously important pieces of information that you should always consider before making a watch purchase. I compare them to looking at the neighborhood before you buy a house, right? If you are going to buy a certain brand, you should make sure that you're buying in the right neighborhood. If you're looking to buy in a B or a B plus neighborhood, for example, for a rental, if you're going to be doing flipping, or if you are looking for a personal watch that you'll wear to the office and you're going to try to have, you know, help you start conversations and be a great collector and be a great investor. Well, guess what? You should still, of course, be looking at the neighborhood, not just how pretty the watch is, because you could buy a watch that is very beautiful, like a Glacute Original, and have a really hard time because you're in the wrong neighborhood. Glacute Original does not hold value very well. And we can get into that again another time. Today, we'll be talking about demand. Now, the Royal Oak, the watch of the week this week, is made the watch of the week this week because it spiked incredibly high in, va in, in price. So the market price went from an average of 38000 to over 42000 this week um, during, the, during the extremes. And if you go to our website, watchquant.com, uh, if you click on top watch markets, you'll be able to read all about this and the other top watches this week. The point I'm trying to get, get at here is that this watch, you actually can't find it listed for less than like 70000 or so because it used to trade at 80. And so people think immediately when they, when they try to sell their watch for eight, for 70,000, uh, they're probably selling it at a loss, that that's, that's fair. It's fair because I bought it at 80, come on. But the problem with that is this is a stainless steel watch. And you'll probably hear me say this over and over again, you've heard it before. We believe in intrinsic value here. And that doesn't just mean that, hey, if it's not a gold watch, it's not worth anything. No, 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 of course. Or, there's beautiful watches, but you have to pay attention to what the intrinsic, what the melt value is of this watch. And you also have to pay attention to what the MSRP is of a watch, because if you have a watch like this, for example, which has an MSRP of, let's say, I think it's $32,000. I have to take a look at that. Um, when you have a watch like this with a $30,000 or so MSRP, I'm sorry, $26,000 MSRP, trading between forty-three dollars and $52,000, there's absolutely no reason for you to, I don't know, there's no reason for you to pay double almost what it is trading for at the store. Well, there is, there, and there would be. Why would you pay double? Generally, because you like it? Yes, absolutely. Because it's beautiful? Sure, it'll start a lot of conversations? Absolutely. But why else would you pay twice what it's actually trading for at the store? You can't get it at the store, right? Supply, demand. That's the obvious piece. Everybody knows that. If you can't get it at the store, then you've got to pay the market price. Gotcha. That doesn't mean that it's not overpriced, right? It doesn't mean that it's not 
too much. It simply means that the market is currently allowing some transactions to go through in the $50,000 range. It's used to trade at $80,000, so let's not even joke ourselves. This is a serious watch trading well above and has traded even higher before. So some people might trick themselves into believing this is a great deal. Now, I don't think so personally because this watch is worth about $500 or maybe $2,500, I said before, with the gold in the movement. Um, period. Like if you were to melt it, and if you were to bring it to a pawn shop, they would offer you probably that much. Maybe maybe twice that much. You know, $5,000 for a $26,000 watch. Um, simply because it just doesn't have much actual intrinsic value. It's got a lot of beauty and that's what they would pay you the, the premium for on that on that melt uh, on the melt of the watch. Now, let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about this because it's really really important. If you like the Royal Oak and you're considering buying the stainless steel version at $50,000, why wouldn't you look down the road to see some watches you might also like? For example, the Brick, there's a solid rose gold uh, Audemars Piguet, and it is called a brick, but it's the OK version. So it's it's gold and it has rubber. Now this watch does not hold its value super well. However, be, because the the, the rubber. Uh, there's an actual physical problem with this watch, and that is that a lot of people have experienced if you don't have a properly humidified room with, uh, let's say, a relative humidity of, say, 50 at all times, this watch will essentially, uh, the, the rubber will essentially dry out and crack, especially if you are rough on the watch. And so you might have to get those pieces replaced. That stinks. So because of that, you can find bricks, is what we call them. This is like almost a pound of gold. It's an offshore, so it's a little lighter. I think it's like nine ounces of gold. Uh, of, of 750 gold, right? So you're talking about, I mean, almost a half pound of pure gold here. That's a that's a sixteen thousand dollar intrinsic value. And if, if gold ticks up to twenty five hundred dollars or three thousand dollars because the U.S. dollar's going down, say, which it is, you know, on average by, by at least three to four percent every year. This year will probably set be seven percent. Last year it was like nine percent, and next year maybe it'll be three or four percent. Nonetheless, you're going to see that watch tick up by half that much because it might be $20,000 worth of gold or $16,000 worth of gold, but it trades at around $50,000. You might be able to find it for even less. And so here's my point. If you let somebody help you, now, uh, you know, if you let somebody help you and guide you and show you the options, then you don't just buy what you like. You look for what you might like and you buy the best choice. And that's a very simple and a very distinctual delineation. That's what I'm here for. You know, that's what my team is here for. We want to work out the numbers. We want to find all of the watches that you might like and then show you and give you the options because the numbers tell stories. What I see with the beautiful 15500 ST Royal Oak stainless steel is I see a gorgeous classic watch trading for more than twice of what it's actually uh, selling at the store for. And even what it's selling at the store for is quite a bit more than it's actually worth. It might be worth two thousand dollars. So it's trading for, uh, you know, five percent, or um, trading for I should say ninety-five percent of what it's of, of the current price is actually Fugazi, in my opinion. It's market. It's pure market movement. This watch probably should be trading under MSRP, except for the fact that it's rare. Now, that's the point. And that's what we want to get at. It's important to consider if something is rare. If you have a watch that is, let's say, not 
uh, that, that, that is not particularly uh, liquid, but has a lot of demand, right? So there's not a lot of them out there, not a lot of supply, but there is a lot of demand. It can go up in price quite a bit, right? Um, fact, right? That's a fact, okay? Um, but at the end of the day, you need to be careful about the relative difference in demand this month, in the last couple of months, say, versus the average 12-month demand. And how do you figure out these numbers? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like I said, make, I'm going to make a watch video um, on our YouTube channel to help you figure this out. But, of course, our website curates all of this for you, so you may or may not need to do that. But realistically, how do you find that somebody who doesn't have access to the data that we have access to and you don't want to go to my website? That's fine. You would go to eBay. If you go to eBay and you look up this exact watch, you will find today, you'll find like seven of them on the market. Seven. Seven beautiful watches on the market. And if you look at recent sales, which is publicly available, you'll find zero. And recent means approximately the past 30 days. Okay. So if you find zero have sold in the last 30 days, and you find that there are seven on the market, and they're all at $60,000, $70,000, and you go to, say, my website, and you see it at $50,000, $50, or if you go to uh, another website like Watch Charts or something like that, you'll see it around $50,000, maybe fifty-two. And if you go to, uh, you know, Watchbox, thewatchbox.com, you'll see it. Um, these are all great people, by the way. I would never, I'm not competing against them in any way. I hope that you go and patronize these establishments. I'm just here to try to help you get the best price. Uh, anyway, so if you go to these websites, you'll see this watch selling, right, at, uh, you know, fifty dollars to $60,000. And so, hey, that's a great deal, certainly compared to the eBay prices. But you have to remember that zero have sold on eBay. It's important to remember that zero have sold on eBay. So when you're looking at this watch in the parking lot, right, if you're talking about uh, buying a $50,000 car, do you really want to be buying the car that is beautiful, but nobody has bought over the last... 12 over the last one to two months nobody not one person and there's seven of them on the lot why wouldn't you go and buy the solid gold version of this watch for the exact same amount because if you were to look up the excuse me i'm going to find one right now <laughs> a little ad hoc here okay so if you were to go and look at the Audemars Piguet royal oak offshore rubber clap 25940k again this and this is a converted brick we call it converted because these normally come with a strap uh somebody has basically put this is a uh, you know it's from the store it would normally come um without this this is a solid gold watch absolutely gorgeous chronograph so it's actually more complicated um and it is slightly different right it has a date it has a, it has a chronograph it's a beautiful watch rhodium dial you can find this watch for well we have it priced at between 44 and 57 now it's a little less liquid than the steel version but you can find it today on a strap for 28.9 you can find it today in brick format for and this is on ebay i mean i'm not even talking about going and actually searching or you know talking to a dealer or anything like that you can find it um, on a brick format for $50,000. So why would we not buy this gorgeous piece of art that Audemars BK put together when you know that the demand for one watch, the watch you're actually looking at, is very low, and yet you know that the, um, you know that the, 
demand and supply dynamic for this watch is almost exactly the same. If we look at this watch and you're looking at recently sold, uh, we will find, I'm gonna look at this real quick. By the way, on our website, you can just simply click a button and see the recently sold, if it's available. Okay. Okay, there's actually been two of these sold recently. And so your supply-demand dynamic with this particular watch is you have two recently sold in the last 30 days. You have 10 of them on the market. That's, you know, a five to a one to five demand to supply, at least historical. So that's actually much better than zero out of six, right? Or zero out of seven, I think, is the, is the other one. Now, you could say, well, that's basically the same. And then I would say, you're probably right. Zero out of seven, two out of 10, it's approximately the same. Not really, it's actually quite a bit better to be two out of 10. <laughs> zero is infinitely bad. But the point is, is that one is completely liquid, zero demand in the last 12, in the last 12 months. This one is not completely liquid, it has demand. People are buying it. They're not buying a lot of them, but they're buying it. Why are they buying it? Because it's a solid gold watch. Because it's the same price at fifty. $52,000 say you're going to spend on one watch on the steel. Why would you not get the solid gold one, which is underlying value of sixteen dollars to $18,000, something like that. And then, you know, as opposed to the other one with a underlying value of $2,000. Well, if you are looking at stocks, you might say, well, because I want to buy the outperformer. But if you're looking at watches, it's important to consider where the price might go from here, simply because of the value. If you look at this OK, this this uh, 2594.0 OK, it is trading on a convert you know converted basis. It's trading at just above MSRP, which means not that it can't go below MSRP, but it's a solid gold and gorgeous watch and high and high demand, and it looks very similar as far as it's the Gerald Genta uh, octagonal uh, design very similar look to the steel version. I would never in my life buy the steel version of this watch if I had available the solid gold converted brick version of, of given two, two totally different watches, but they look very similar. So I know I might get a little hate for saying this, but honestly, why would you spend $52,000 on a steel watch with no complications when you could buy the exact same looking watch with a little different, obviously rose gold looks different than steel, obviously blue dial is not the same as a rhodium dial, or a slate looking dial, a mega tap is different than uh, than the regular tapisserie um, dial, like there's there's a bunch of small differences, but the, the fact of the matter is, if you like the way the way that a Gen, the Gerald Genta looks, if you like the way that the octagonal shape looks, you love the way that offshores look, uh, or if you like Royal Oaks in general, this watch is absolutely a better deal I can say that hands down. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Go ahead and do whatever you want. But these are the kind of numbers you should look at before you, you know, it's important to be guided a little bit. Have somebody like me or somebody, a dealer, your favorite dealer, your person you talk to online or whoever you might know them in real life, talk to them about this. Hey, what do you think? Should I buy, you know, what should I, what should I look at? Help me, help me figure out what to look at. I like the Royal Oak 15500 ST. It's at $50,000 today. Is there any? Are there any comparable pieces that might be a better choice for me or I might like better? Then take a look at those and see if you like it. If you still like the steel, hey man, go for it. You got about you got a 50-50 shot. But I'll tell you what, the steel piece is on its way down from massive highs. And although last week looked like a bounce, 
Steel watches tend to do well in very good economic environments, whereas gold watches seem to be stable in very bad economic environments and go up in hype markets as well, but they're just more stable overall. So they're less volatile. So you may, like if you don't care at all about value, buy the steel watch, cool. If you care about being able to sell this watch in a year and be able to buy another watch at around the same price that you bought this one for, meaning, you know, kind of a trade-in without spending money, maybe even making money, go for the solid gold watch in this particular case. That's a fact, and that's what I will end this particular bit on. Not just talking about intrinsic value, but we're talking about demand here. If this watch had zero demand, no sell-through on eBay over the last uh, one month, then I would then I would not recommend it. And this is just one example. There are many different APs that look similar, that have um, comparable looks, but are made of other materials and therefore might be worth a look when you're looking to spend $50,000. And always, I will say this again and again, if you're looking to spend $50,000 and you are not a many-time multimillionaire, say $10 million net worth or more, you probably shouldn't be carting that. Don't put a, a... $50,000 item in your cart and then click send to me, please, um, without at least considering talking to somebody about it first or doing some due diligence first. I'm not saying give me a ring. I'm saying at least go to some sort of website. Go to watch charts if you don't trust watch quant. Go to uh, eBay and look at many, many listings and make sure that you look and do some of the due diligence I just taught you about. Find Find how many sold through last month. Find out how many are currently in supply. C- compare the ratios and make some good decisions because spending $50,000 when you're not uh, a multimillionaire is a serious decision. It's a serious part of your portfolio. And if you're not treating it like a portfolio, then you're not doing yourself any any justice. You're not doing yourself what you deserve because you and your family deserve to make sure that your style has some value in it more than just having you know starting conversations in the boardroom especially if you are a watch guy and you plan to stay that way. And if you're a trader, well, same, pretty much everything I just said applies. You should be buying the pieces that are on their way up, that have increasing levels of demand. You should be buying pieces that have serious liquidity, ability to be sold through, and have recent liquidity, right? And you should also consider the intrinsic value of the watches you're buying in case you need to hold it for a while it's always good to buy something that's a little less volatile and also have has high demand or at least comparably high demand. All right, so that's it. I'll stop preaching now. Let's move on to the watches of the week. We're going to skip over the Audemars Piguet because, well, we just talked about it, but we are going to continue down the route. So let's talk really quick through these, the other nine watches. So in the market perform slight downtrend group, we have three watches. One is the uh, Rolex Date 836, 128-348 RBR, two stars of liquidity. It, it moved down 2% on the week. Absolutely gorgeous watch, um, but it does have that diamond bezel, which to me is a bit less attractive than than perhaps a, just a regular fluted bezel. And um, I'm not surprised to see it, you know, trading... I'm actually a little bit surprised to see it trading above 45, but um, but yeah, it's at 49,000 this week. It's it's just not the most gorgeous watch in my opinion because that bezel really I think takes away from it this kind of curly-haired look that the fluted bezel gives it. I'm a curly-haired person, so I shouldn't make fun of these things, but what can you do? 
The next watch, market perform, slight downtrend. The Rolex GMT Master II Pepsi 116719, this watch this week, um, continued a downtrend. Now, the white gold version of this watch, it's a 719, is white gold, solid white gold GMT Pepsi. Pepsi is absolute, it's a four, four-star liquidity rating. Why? Because people love the Pepsi. So when you have a four-star liquidity, it means that there's plenty of demand, plenty of supply, it's a liquid watch, um, there's there's good hype for it, uh, etc. You see a watch going down, this is really low, 28500 for this watch. When you see that, it's important to consider the fact that well, hey, you know, like this watch is liquid. Uh, MSRP is thirty six thousand, so it's trading under MSRP. This watch is market perform, but barely. This is almost down to the underperform value, um, and it's it's very possible that uh, this particular watch is something you should consider looking into if you are in the market for a gold watch. If you're in the market for a Pepsi, I mean, what are you going to pay for a Pepsi steel? Let's just to get back to our, uh, our intrinsic value argument here. If you're going to look into a steel Pepsi, you're going to spend probably, I'll have to probably look it up, but you're going to spend easily, you know, $16,000. If you can wait a couple more months and save up that extra twelve, why wouldn't you get it for the 28500 Get the solid gold version. Nobody will even know the difference. Uh, it's a Pepsi is a Pepsi. It's it's an absolutely um, everybody knows the piece when they see it. Okay, uh, so everybody knows the piece when they see it. Why would you not get the one that is you know just just kind of ready to roll, so to speak? Okay, so what do we have here? We have the 126710 trading at, I'm sorry, $19,000, or then you can get maybe as low as 18000 or you could pick up this watch for $28,000. So basically, for $10,000 more, you can, get the, you can get the exact version of this watch, solid gold. I'm not sure why you wouldn't do it. I certainly uh, love the idea of it myself. And... Um, if I had a chance to pick this watch up at that price, I would have done it, but I didn't, and so that's me. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about all of my things uh, and everything I own today, but guess what? We did come out with collections this week, so if you are interested in building out your portfolio, having access to all of the most important pieces of information about each watch, and you are a collector or even a trader, you can track, you're going to be able to track not only what you have today, which is great to see, hey, um, up 5% of my portfolio. We we don't give you um, crazy numbers. We give you the, the equilibrium prices, meaning the prices you're likely to be able to sell the watch for, not the not the the prices that um, you know you see on eBay or anything like that. Because we understand that there's fees, and we also know that um, selling a watch is not always easy. If you're a trader, it's a little easier. If you're a dealer, it's much easier. But if you're um, just a collector who has beautiful watches, selling it is going to be much harder to sell at the full price so we know that and we give you a discounted price which is going to help you understand the true value of your portfolio um, so that's a wonderful thing uh, so anyway that's collections you can build collections all you have to do to build your collection is simply go to our website and go to journeys and click into any watch and if you click into a watch you'll be able to choose to add it to your collection 
So basically you're adding a watch type to your collection and once you do that you can access your collection from the journey page as well. So the front, front page, your journey page, you go to watchmont.com, it'll lead you right to that journey page. And if you scroll down to the bottom you'll see my collection. It'll be empty to start. From there you can also add watches to your collection. So there's two ways to add watches. Um, and once you actually add a watch to your collection, you'll be able to click into it, turn, uh, to cho choose what you bought it for, when you bought it, etc. And then let's say you sold a watch. This is important and this sets us apart from the rest of everybody else who uh, is allowing you to track what watches you have. You can also put a sell price in. So we track your unrealized profit and loss, but we also track your realized profit and loss separately from uh, from that so you can see hey, what are all my closed positions? What are my closed positions for the year? So if you want to do a little bit of uh, actual business like you want to have a balance sheet here. Hey, I spent $80,000 on watches I in opened four positions so to speak and I closed two of them at gains of you know, 6% and 7% now you'll see two two open positions two closed positions and you'll see two separate P&Ls one unrealized and one realized now this is a huge, huge differential from what you might be able to do in the watch world today. We wanna to make sure that you have the ability to track these things seriously. So uh, we did release that this week. We will be improving it over time, but we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any information or any uh, opinion on how it should be improved or what you'd like to see in the portfolios, I, I know that everybody wants to see trends. We're working to get the trends there, but uh, until then, we are uh, we are allowing you to break it down by, by all the other analysis. What's my current liquidity average? What's my current demand? Um, you know, how much demand is there for the watches in my portfolio on average, right? And for example, these are really interesting things to know because if you see your your watch uh, portfolio spike in uh, liquidity on a given week or a given month, and you see, hey, my watch portfolio right now is highly liquid. Normally, it's not this liquid. It's probably a good idea to consider trading in at this time because you'll. It's unlike anything else. You might be able to trade a watch in and get a profit from it, having worn it for a year, when you have a highly liquid portfolio of watches, because that's the way the market works. So anyway, um, getting back to it, that was an interesting piece, right? The Pepsi seeing the Pepsi trade at twenty-eight thousand this week. Interesting. I'm not saying you'll be able to find it for twenty-eight thousand, but I do think that when you see these things sell for twenty-eight thousand on an auction, that's very low. You might find it much lower. You might find it at thirty or thirty-one. So keep your eyes out for that if you're interested in buying a solid gold Pepsi rather than a steel Pepsi, and just pay, you know, fifty percent more or so. All right. So we have another AP Royal Oak Offshore two six four seven zero O R. This is not the rubber clad, gorgeous watch. Um, I'm a huge fan of these particular chronos. We saw it go down to 56,000 this week on a big trade. So you could probably you could probably get it for 60,000 right now very easily. Um, this is a brick. Again, similar to the to the argument we were talking about before, the watch of the week. Absolute awesome watch, um, but it's stainless steel and it's at trading at, you know, $50,000. This one's trading at 56 to 66,000. So why would you not um, potentially aim at this watch, which is not a rubber clad, meaning you don't have to worry about cracking materials. This one has a ceramic pushers, and, uh, and and so you don't have to worry about any any sort of drawbacks there. This watch is currently in a market perform. It's on a downtrend, two-star liquidity rating, 
And so we part we see this watch as a particularly we, we don't see this necessarily as a time to buy it, but we do see this as an okay buy. There's nothing wrong with buying this watch right now because it's at a market perform and it's just on a small downtrend. If you look at the ticker um, here on, on our website, you'll see all sorts of other data. For example, it's liquidity, not just in a star rating, but an actual number value, etc. And so we'll be providing all of that for you. Wonderful. I hope that uh, somebody gets value out of this. Okay, now we're looking at the outperforming uptrend group. There's just one watch in this, and it is a five-star liquidity. It is the Rolex Daytona 116505. This is the rose gold version of the watch. Up 4% this week, and uh, it's in an outperforming position. Now, for gold watches, usually you don't see them in outperforming positions, or at least not all that often. A lot of gold watches are trading in the market perform range. Outperforming simply means that this watch is generally on an uptrend, it's trading well above MSRP, and it's not overpriced. There's good value, price to value ratio involved with this watch, and that's what we see with this particular one, the rose gold. Next is another Daytona. This is the Oyster Flex watch, okay? Oyster Flex 116518 rose gold, I'm sorry, yellow gold. Uh, beautiful watch. It's such a cool piece. I love these Cerakone bezels. Um, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't buy a solid gold, solid gold bracelet for basically the same price and then just put a B-band on there or a Horus band on there. But hey, you know, whatever. I, I'm not going to get too down. I'm a big fan of Daytona, so you might be able to tell I'm a fanboy. Sorry about that. So this watch did see a slight downtrend this week, but it is cons it's still outperforming five-star liquidity. You can't get down on watches when they're easy to move. So you could wear this watch for a year, come back, and have a pretty damn good shot of, of selling it for the same amount that you bought it for. Why? Because it's outperforming. All right. Patek Philippe Aquanaut, two-star liquidity. These watches are beautiful. The Aquanauts are gorgeous, but they're not the most liquid watches. And today in particular, this is the travel time. So it's got a GMT dial in there. Absolutely beautiful watch. Certainly one I would love to wear myself, but this watch has a two-star liquidity rating. And these watches, almost all of them, um, the, the, the Patek Philippe's, saw a time where everybody thought that they were going to be worth more and more and more and more and more. Well, it turns out that the market is starting to dry up for these particular middling, uh, middle of the road sort of Patek Philippe's. So the Calatravas are seeing huge down moves. These uh, Aquanauts and Nautilus uh, versions that are gold, maybe, but they are not these the uber complicated ones, the super collector pieces. Uh, even though they're rare, because they're low liquidity, the market is not able to hold up a, a higher price. So we would normally see this watch trading at around 100000 we see it this week going down $81,000. So if you're interested in this watch, it's still in an outperforming rate, which you'll see across the board almost with Patek Philippe, because even though these watches are down 50% drawdown over the last six, six to 12 months, they're still outperforming because that's just how high they were. It's like seeing Apple, you know, before it was worth a trillion dollars trading at a trillion dollars and everybody went nuts. It's like, you know, maybe this watch will go back up, but the intrinsic value of this watch is only about $5,000 of gold. Kind of no reason for it to be trading with a two-star liquidity at $80,000 even. So I am not a buyer of this watch, even though it's in the outperforming class. It's on a slight downtrend. Just looking at the price versus MSRP, it's just not exactly my my kind of style. Okay, but, uh, let's keep going here. So the next watch on the list is... The John Mayer. 
How many Daytonas will we have on this list? I don't know. They, they just are super liquid. Five-star liquidity, lots of them trading in and out. Up slightly this week, up to the $76,000 mark. So this, this watch did break through the $82,000 kind of support level. Uh, watches are not stock, so support levels don't necessarily mean as much. There's not super efficient markets here that are looking at support levels and holding. So I'm not surprised that it broke through that support because support simply is not actually real when it comes to watches. There's not enough of them for, not, there's not enough people looking at the charts to say, hey, that's a support level, gotta buy here. No, that's not how it works with watches. These trend charts are not really as valuable as you think they are. Don't get confused. Watches trade with different sorts of metrics, which are the metrics we cover. What is the recent demand? What is the trailing 12 month demand? What's the sell through look like? Uh, how many of these watches relative to other watches of its type are selling um, at what price, right? And how, you know, what's, what's the trend recently? Not, not, uh, not the overall trend over five years. What's the trend recently for this watch? Has it been going down? You know, is the market, that's usually indicative of hype. Is the market losing interest in this watch? Okay. So I'm not going to go through all of these metrics right now, but it's important to consider that the, the, the actual charts that you think are so valuable with stocks certainly are because there's a million people looking at them. When you have a million people looking at a chart, then support levels actually matter. They say, oh, it's at the support level. It's at the 200-day moving average. Time to buy. And this, this is a self-perpetuating kind of uh, thing here. Not, not so with watches. They're not liquid enough, and there's not enough people looking at the charts. Okay, let's keep going. Next, we have the Patek Philippe Aquanaut 5164 stainless steel trading at $72,000. This watch this is a travel time, so this is a beautiful watch. It's much like the rose gold version. Funny enough, it's trading just below that watch, right? You see the stainless steel version this week moved up to $72,000, so it's a huge uptrend, huge recent uptrend. That might be indicative of a buy, but for me, it's a stainless steel watch trading just below its rose gold counterpart. Um, it looks great, but it doesn't look much better or at all better, perhaps, depending on your taste, than the rose gold version, only $10,000 more than it. So it's important to consider the fact that this is steel, a uh, huge uptrend like this in an outperforming market. It's four times what it should cost as far as MSRP is concerned. This is from Patek Philippe themselves. Uh, perhaps not the best time to buy this watch. That's my opinion, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. But uh, that is in our outperforming considerable uptrend. It's at a two-star liquidity like its counterpart here, uh, the, the 5164R. What can you do? Okay, up 10%. Somebody really want, wanted that watch, and they got it. Okay, and then finally we have a Panerai. This is the first time Panerai's made it onto the charts. So good job, Panerai. Thank goodness, because I love this watch. It's so beautiful. Uh, Panerai's have a way when, when they're rose gold about them that just really impresses me they're so gorgeous and they're a little thick and i like them i like my gold watches thick because obviously i'm greedy i want to make sure that if if this is a gold watch that it actually can melt for something like it has serious weight on it because a heavy gold watch feels good on the wrist for me it makes me feel I don't know, it just makes me feel good having like a good half pound of gold on my wrist. That's me personally. Some people don't like heavy watches. They really they like them real thin, like the Calatravas and all that. But anyway, Panerai, this is a heavy-duty watch. They all are. Um, and this is our 42-millimeter, three-day automatic gold tech PAM 1164. Okay, cool watch, three-star liquidity, so it's actually not that bad on liquidity. There's a good amount of demand for this watch. 
we saw it move from 17,000 to 18,400. So considerable up move. This is on in a market perform, meaning it's around MSRP and it is trading on an uptrend on the last couple weeks. We saw an 8% move on the extreme and an average move of 2.61% to the upside. Pretty good buyer's market right now. So that means that there are more on the market than there, uh, than there were last month and on average. And that means that there's, it's pretty good opportunity for buyers to, there's more inventory, right? And there's a buyer's market in real estate when, when there's a lot of inventory and not as many buyers, it means you have negotiating power. That's another, this is another piece of information that you really should have when making decisions about how to spend $18,000. You should find the watch that is something you like, that is probably going to hold up value or even go up in value. And you should also look at the watch that's in a buyer's market because guess what? Every single watch has its own market has its own rating, has its own trend, has its own support levels and all that that we just talked about maybe aren't as important, but it also has its own other dynamics and other uh, sorts of things like buyer, buy, uh, buyer and seller markets and supply and demand dynamics. Uh, it's intrinsic value. Every watch is slightly different. And so it's important to consider all of the most important metrics that we talk about here when you are making a decision so that your portfolio looks like mine and is actually green. It's in the it's in the black, right? You want to see your portfolio worth more today than it was when you opened up those positions. And when you actually close positions so you can go buy a new watch or so you can, you know, open up a little bit of liquidity to do some work on your house, for example, which is what we're talking about here. If you sell a twenty thousand dollar watch tomorrow, you'll be able to go do redo your bathroom. I mean this is serious money, right? So um why would you want to buy a watch at twenty thousand dollars and then only be able to sell it for seven later? Don't do that to yourself. Buy a watch for twenty and sell it for twenty a year later when you need to. Hold value on your wrist. There's no reason not to. Um, it doesn't have to be stealthy, but I, you know, I like it when it's stealth wealth as well. Anyway, that's personally me, and this is the end of our podcast. So I hope that you've enjoyed this this haphazard bit of a podcast. I also hope that you are enjoying this um, sort of unconventional take on watches. I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy watches that you like. I think you should. I, I also simply think that when you're going to spend as much as it would cost to buy a car or more, that you should ask the car dealer or somebody, hey, is there anything else on this lot or on any lot around here that I might also like? Because I like this watch, but maybe there's another one that might be better for me. And then consider all of the other things that matter, like demand dynamics, what kind of market it is, hasn't been going up or down, uh, what's the intrinsic value, etc. We'll talk about more on the next one. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time.